Okay, introducing our newest sponsor, Swim Tracks. Swim Tracks is the smartest swim specific tracker ever. It registers a ton of swim data that is translated into valuable real time insights. It tracks the three most important data points for coaches and swimmers time, heart rate, and stroke rate. You and your swimmers can now, from just one device, make sure you're training in the correct energy zones with the correct number of strokes. Visit swimtracks.com and schedule your free demo today. That's swimtracks, T R A X X.com, swimtracks.com. You know when I'm going to hit start? I already did. We're up, mate. Ian Pope, how are you, buddy? Oh, great. Good to talk with you. Mate, this is awesome. Like, uh, it's, it's been uh, too long, mate. We needed to do this. This needed to happen. So true. So true. But great to chat with you. Now, where are you coming from? I'm in Melbourne, uh, which has been quite wet at the moment. And uh, we've got the World Championships coming up in the short course in December. So a lot of swimming people will be hopefully coming out to the World Short Course Championships. Nice, nice. Now, listen, um, one of the one of the coaches who I haven't had a chance to talk to yet, one of the coaches who had a massive influence on my life, a huge influence on my career, um, and haven't had a chance to sit down with you. I felt like I've gone through a long list of my coaches on this podcast, and you've been the elusive one, someone that I haven't been able to pin down yet. But, um, you know, in talking to you privately, you know, I did say these things to you, like, look, it's important that you and I speak because you're a part of my history. You know, I'm part of your history and, and I like to record history, but I felt like there was something missing. There was some, some, some unfulfilled kind of part of my history that I haven't recorded yet. And you were, you were a massive part of my career and what I did, but not only that, the influence that you have, have had on Australian swimming and the work that you do and, and just telling your story. And I also told you this, like your kids are going to look back on this and this is going to be an important part of them getting to know you and who you are. You spend a lot of time on the deck. You travel the world being one of the best coaches in the world. And they need to understand like what you did and, and why you did it. And I think this is a big part of that. So all those reasons is a, a part of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today. Thanks, Pete. Thank you. Yeah, good. Um, so we're into it. So we're going to talk, all right? So we're going to chat. Now, listen, um, where, where are you at right now in terms of what you're doing and how you're doing it? Just give us the update on, on what you're doing. So I started another club last year, Melbourne Swimming Club. And so uh, it's sort of developing pretty quick. We're running out of five centres now. And uh, I've got my son coaching with me. You oh. remember Liam because Liam used to uh, play with your children. Mm. And uh, so he's coaching with me full time. And so... No, that, that's working out really well. I'm actually really enjoying coaching uh, once again. That's awesome, mate. Now, listen, a lot of people don't know your full story, so we'll get into a little bit of it. Let's go, let's go back into the background. When <laughs> the, the thing that I knew about you is that you're a musician, and not only are you a musician, like very successful one, you were part of like a rock band in the 80s that was um, extremely yeah. successful in terms of, you know, people recognizing you and knowing, you know, and who you were and touring and things like that. So you started in music. Is that right? That's right. Actually, not many people know that about me, but I've actually, one of those bands I had in the 80s, uh, we've actually rejoined and been playing again this year, which has been a lot of fun. First time in 30 something years that uh, we've been playing again. But yeah, look, uh, being a musician, it's that creative side, which is a part of coaching, but um something that was you know i love so i was doing a bit of both and they sort of didn't fit because i'd be coming home at two or three in the morning and then going to going to the pool at five o'clock in the morning so uh they didn't sort of work well together so i had to give up one or the other and it came to a, a point where i had to uh, one of the bands was going to tour the east coast of australia and uh, and i said can't do it because my passion was really coaching and then and i had a few good swimmers at that stage and matt welsh and a few others that starting to come through so i just thought well um, i'm going to become a swimming coach and focus my area uh, oh really i didn't know that i didn't know that you were in the band while you were coaching welshy that's that's awesome yeah (laughs) so why swimming then how'd you get into swimming well that's a good question i just started i want to do something with sport uh so i just started teaching swimming and so and was really just doing that to supplement my music my music was what i was focusing on and then 
I just, uh, you know, things developed and the club I was associated with then uh, decided to put me on as full time because uh, of the program we were offering. We started off with a small handful of swimmers and we built quite a large club there. And then I moved to Melbourne Vic Centre, which was based in at the Melbourne Sports Aquatic Centre, which is where the World Short Course Championships was. And I was there for 17 years. Wow. And like, who, who were your mentors at that time? Like, how did you learn? How did you grow in coaching? Well, that's a good question. I think I was very fortunate uh, to be, uh, well, this, when you're on the Australian team, you're actually always, you know, you're rooming with coaches and you know, especially people like Dennis Cottrell and Stefan Widmar and all these coaches. Would, you just learn being on that team. And I was a part of that team for 20 years. And, and uh, I think my education really came from with the coaches I was in, involved with our, you know, I mean, there was many courses we did through the Australian Institute of Sport and, uh, you know, and ASTA, uh, which is the governing body of the Coaches Association, they they really brought a lot of education, you know, uh, processes for coaches so they could develop. And I think that was sort of one of the backbones behind the Australian coaches. And, and I look back and uh, Bill Sweetman was very instrumental in, in educating our coaches. He, he'd selected mm. a, a group of 10 coaches that he wanted to uh, develop. And, and, you know, when I look back, all those coaches became part of the Australian team, Michael Ball, um, Shannon Rollison, mm. uh, Rowan Taylor, you know, Matt Brown, all these coaches were, went on to become the Australian team coaches. So, you know, I was very fortunate and, and, and at a really good time. And talking about one of the mentors, you know, where that's, um, Bill was a great mentor to all those coaches and, and Don Talbot, Bill Don, he was uh, a great, uh, a great mentor in, um, and one of those coaches that had certain standards and you knew that, you know, you couldn't compromise what, what Don Talbot said that, uh, that's, mm. that, that was a rule. And that's what went, you'd, you'd remember that quite uh, distinctly <laughs> as well as being one of the swimmers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bummed. I never got a chance to talk to Don, uh, you know, record him be before he passed away. There's a couple of people that have, have passed since and recently that, that you're just like, man, I wish I had I had a chance to get him, you know, and that's, that's an, again, another reason why I wanted to record this is like, there's just, there's too much of between you and I that, you know, I needed to, I needed to put this down just to feel good about myself. And, um, you know, like, life's short mate you never know when you're gonna go so it's like yeah, you gotta get this stuff down and people like don leaving the earth and um you know gennady Toretsky, you know pe people that are really iconic in in the australian s swimming scene you know like uh it just felt like i really needed to record these people so you know this this is cool to get around but what i have known from you and and everyone else would would probably say the same thing you're you're a technician you know you're very technical You've got an eye for swimming, and and that's that's rare, you know. Like I've I've talked to a lot of swimmers in terms of their talent and their abilities in the pool. I haven't talked to many coaches about their talents on the deck. And um, you're certainly someone that had had a, had a talent for coaching, right? Like, and I, and I think what you did was exploit that talent of like you really leaned into the fact that you were good at picking up on technique, and it was something that you were very proud of. Something that you very, like I said, you leaned into. So. When did you first recognize that you could maybe see things that other coaches couldn't see in terms of technical stuff? Yeah, I suppose that's probably been my, my key factor. You know, I can look at any swimmer at any standard and look at ways that I can improve them. Um, uh, you know, I think the technical aspect, and I continue to look at ways that I can improve in my coaching. You know, I still watch things and, and, and listen to your podcast, which, you, which your podcast has been a, a wonderful platform for coaches to you mm. know, listen to new ideas and listen to swimmers perspective of how they feel. And even from the swimmers themselves, you know, you actually get what they think and feel. Um, but I suppose over time it comes with experience, you know, you get to see what, what models work in, as a coach, what doesn't work and what works for that particular individual. I think sometimes we make the mistake of trying to teach a certain way that mightn't suit that particular individual but uh mm. you know it's like a piece of art you know you just want to make sure every little part of it's is flowing right and and, and so yeah it's a big part of coaching of course <clears throat> how do you do that then how how do you how do you teach that to coaches like you say like the science is very important right but you see you see coaches get caught up in the science and then the art is very important you see coaches that don't 
even pay attention to the science at all. So like you always had a good mix between, you know, what you needed to see and what, what the stats were telling you, what the video was telling you, things like that. And then, and then what you could see and what other people couldn't feel. Right. And so there was always this great mix of the two. So how, how did you incorporate that? How did you kind of establish your own identity as a coach? Well, I mean, I've had a lot of coaches work underneath me and I think they need to get clarity. You know, and I still educate teachers and coaches on, on correct technique and, and the progressions you use in, in teaching certain stroke mechanics. Mm. Uh, so, you know, even with the coaches that I've got working with me, me now and my, my son, it's, he seems to have picked up very well the, the technical aspects and has that eye. And I think that's just, I don't know. Um, I can't put it into words, but I suppose that's experience over the years, which you see what, you know, how to change someone in the way they, their technique looks. But every coach would have a model on how their strokes would look. Mm. And so, you know, you'd want to relate that to, you know, you're trying to reduce resistance, how, you know, the first things I look at is I really look at the alignment of the, of the posture in the water, you know, just, mm. you know, where's the water sitting? Where's the wave around the body? You know, when someone's swimming really well, there's a, there's, a, there's only one wave around the hips or is there two for some of the swimmers and you know is their core on is their back dry you know uh so there's depending on which which the stroke but it's all for me it's about how can i reduce resistance so the first mm. thing i look at is i look at that alignment that posture in the water yeah uh, and then i would look at sort of the breathing because the breathing has such an impact on the whole stroke mm. and so the breathing you know just uh, the timing of the breath has to be is crucial and I, I don't think a lot of coaches tend to look at that. And then I look at really that connection, how well they're connecting with the water. You know, I see so many people just doing laps and training. And what are you actually training? Training a lot of swimmers the wrong way because they're just practicing the right, the wrong way. So I'm a big one about, you know, trying to enforce the right habits and training in that aspect. You know, when I think of someone like Matt Welsh, who used to train with you, Matt took up the sport of 18, you know, so which I, I, which is probably a little bit different, but I did have him in a school program. Mm. And, uh, and when he finished uh, year 12, he said, oh, look, I'll give the swimming thing a go. And, uh, but one of the things we trained him is just only practice the right patterns. And, and so, you know, and so, you know, for example, uh, he went on a butterfly camp and whoever was in charge of the butterfly said to him, you know, he was doing a set of 50s of butterfly and he'd get to the 25 and the technique would start to deteriorate and then he'd mm. just swim through. And, um, so, uh, and the coach said, why are you stopping? Why? He says, because I couldn't hold the stroke up, you know, couldn't hold mm. the technique, and especially a stroke like butterfly. If you're practicing struggle fly, and I see this a lot, with, you know, <laughs> that's from Tarflitz, uh, you're really teaching the wrong habits. The elbows are dropping, all those things are going on. So, you know, I think... I think it's important that you actually practice the right technique. Um, yeah. you know, that's, that's a big one for me. I, I just, as soon as I see someone just losing that, you, I've got to make an adjustment. I'll put fins on them. I'll give them more rest. I look for oh, something. Yeah. yeah. That, that reminds me. Yeah. It took me back just then of when you would coach me, you, you know, there'd be times where I'd fall apart and you'd be like, hang on. It's, it's just not what I want. It's not, you're not, you're not doing the way it needs to be done. Let's, Let's add something. Let's add some fins. Let's put a buoy in. Let's put some paddles on. Let's. You're always making adjustments to the. You never want it to just get ugly. And and I yeah. I just remembered that now. Actually, um, took me back to some of your training. But but yeah, then I the other thing, thing, the other thing I noticed is that you were very individual too. You know, like when when you needed to push on someone, you would, and when you needed to pull back, you would, and when you need to adjust, but. Every, every swimmer seemed to have their own workout each day, you know, and, and somehow they would relate to each other maybe, but there was always times where they wouldn't. It was very individualized to each person. You know, when I was there, we had Gian Rooney, you know, world champion, Olympic champion. Then we had Michael Klim, same thing. We had Matt Welsh. We had um, Massey Rossellino, you know. We had, a, we had a crew of people. You had Matt Target there as a young kid as well. So it's like... Um, there was a lot going on, so but you always seem to write for the individual too, yeah? Well, I think that's one of the important things about coaching. Not every prescription of a program would suit everybody. So you, as a coach, you've got to look at the individual on how they're coping with the training. Uh, someone uh, someone like uh, Gian Rooney would be very easily, and, I, and quite often I look at just even the mood states of when they're coming in. So generally if something's going on psychologically, 
it's physiologically as well. So it's one of the first indicators. Mm. So even when they come in and I chat with them when they first come in and they're stretching, and I got to say, Brett Hawke was always the first there, uh, an hour before everyone else stretching. You're you're a master at preparing yourself for the session. Mm. And so, uh, you know, and you can see the mood and the mood states, and, and that's an indicator for me that something's going on. And then I'd watch the way they're swimming. I'd look at the, the so I close my eyes, yes, I see the, the visual picture. It's funny, isn't it? um, and then I'd look at, you know, how, how they're training, how's this, how's this times in what do certain test sets. And then I make decisions about, look, you know, this person's just a little bit over, this person's fatigued. Because I find if, if we're too fatigued, then the more we continue to train them hard, the more they go into fatigue. So I like to make sure that they're uh, in the right, um, you know, their, their speed is good before I push. So it's making those decisions on the individual by how they're adapting and recovering from session to session. Uh, you know, back then, um, Matt Welsh probably didn't need the training that some of the other swimmers would do. Uh, Massimilano, Rossellino, you know, would give it to himself. Like, you know, he was a, a 400 meter swimmer, 200 meter medley swimmer. So, you know, his program was totally different. And Brett was just a 50 meter specialist. So what I gave Brett was totally different to everybody else. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there was times we put you and Clemmy up, you know, up together against each other and, and yeah. you know, bring, create that competition that would bring the best out of both of you guys. Yeah. No, look, I came to you fairly late in my career, I guess, at that stage. I, I just finished the World Championships in Barcelona in 2003, and I remember um, I decided to make the change, and, and, you know, you were kind enough to invite me down to Melbourne and, um, you know, come swim down there. It was about a year out of the Olympics in 2004, and I, I just knew that I needed, I needed more. I needed some personal attention, and, and you were kind of offering that. Like, look, I come down here, and I'll really – really dig into your stroke or really give you what you need and so i think at that stage what so uh, 2000 and 2004 i guess i was like 20 um 28 years old at that stage when i came to you so like i was a fairly um experienced athlete you know towards the back end of my career but what i found in you was a partner was somebody that believed in me someone that you knew what they were doing someone that was always you know also willing to listen and work and kind of it was, it was a partnership you know like i i felt like in time at times before that it was always just like do what you're told here's the program shut up and do it whereas you it was always like here's the program how can we get the best out of you today you know and and like you said you would always evaluate me based on how i would walk in the mood that was going on the things that were happening at home and stuff like that so you're always in tune to that but again, I felt like it was a true partnership where you and I were on the same page all the time. And I had, I had some value to be able to add to the program and you were obviously writing the workouts and working with me. So um, it just seemed like a, a match that I was ready for at that point in time, you know? Okay. I, I mean, when I look back, you know, to see Brett move with his family, his kids, and to sort of say, I'm going to sacrifice everything. You were living in Sydney, you moved to Melbourne, you know, that alone was a huge sacrifice. You know, you yeah. was, your language was, I'm going to give it my best in every capacity. Yeah. And so uh, when we did come in, what, I, what you're reflecting on there is, you know, we had a senior group of swimmers and they're probably average age of 25, you know, Jan, yeah. all those guys were sort of a little bit older. And I think, when, you know, that's the difference between a coach coaching age groupers right. and a coach coaching open swimmers. You have to work with them. You have to make decisions together so we're on the same path mm. and it's about trust it's about a total trust that we, we are doing this together so when i ask you how you're feeling and, and how you're coping with things i then make decisions around that coaching and work with you and so right. i think that's that's it needs to that's a difference of and some coaches struggle from being an age group coach to an open coach because there's yeah. an age group coach where you know everything's control we're telling them what to do but with an open program like that you really have to coach yeah. differently. you have to work with the athletes and work with them individually and sit down and discuss things so we're on the same page so we're not in a, a an argument against each other to sort of say hey we need to do a little bit more of this or that you know we're on the same page and so yeah a, it, there was a mutual trust there i think that's that's important in coaching open athletes yeah. Well, I talked to you about this uh, before we hit record here. And like a lot of the listeners are obviously very interested in the type of work that 
that you would do and and so like let, let's go through it then so like you've got me who's a 50 meter swimmer you know and so you're riding for me and then you've got like a, a Klimi who's kind of in that hybrid you know he could he could go a 50 100 200 type range probably probably at that stage he was training prim primarily for the 100 you know free fly type thing and then you've got a Gian Rooney who's a female who's swimming mainly for kind of like a 200 let's say 200 free maybe even a 100 back and then you know you got a Massey Rossellino like you said so and then and then later after I left you had Grant Hackett who came into the program so let's go through the steps then give me give me examples of each kind of each thing along the way where you're writing for Brett Hawk, who's a 50 freestyler right now. What, what, what type of work were you doing? Okay. Well, that's the whole spectrum of coaching from Brett Hawk to a Hackett or a Massey. Uh, look, yeah. for Brett, it was really, uh, we only did seven sessions a week for Brett and we did around approximately around three K, but the whole focus for Brett's program was around, around the 50. We did no sort of threshold sort of work. Uh, mm -hmm. Every now and then we do sort of once a week, we'd probably just do some, uh, you know, just a little bit of a tougher set for him, but generally it was around aerobic capacity and anaerobic capacity, just developing yeah. the speed. So that was generally the model. Um, and we, I think looking back, we'd probably be doing an average around 3K, yeah. um, maybe take up to four at certain, in certain processes. The table was quite big for a Brett Hawk. I remember for the Olympics, we, we tapered you over six weeks and it's mm. probably the longest table I've given an athlete, but uh, you know, when, I, when we've had a good preparation and being used to being such an, a big guy and uh, and a typical sprinter, I you know, rested you a lot more. And I remember coming to the, about two weeks ago, 10 days out it was actually, we did a time trial. We got up and did a time trial for 50 and we suited up and the best you could sort of go was 23.6. Mm -hmm. This is 10 days out from the Olympics. And then mm -hmm. at the Olympics you went 22.0 and made the final in the 50. So that long rest process was it was what was required for you. Someone mm -hmm. like uh, Gian and Michael, you know, they more that middle distance type of program. Um, you know, I'd certainly have a little bit more VO max type of work in there, and you know, the mileage would certainly get towards more fifty sort of k's during certain blocks. Uh, yeah. And um, but someone like a Grant Hackett or a Massey, you know, they would do sixty five to seventy kilometers. Uh, and generally a lot of aerobic stuff. And I think that's important that, you know, coaches are monitoring what's aerobic and what's anaerobic. Because quite often too many swimmers, when they go and watch programs, they're doing so much high intensity work and they're, they're depleting their glycogen. So I'm, I'm very conscious as a coach that when we, when we train hard, we've got to recover uh, as quickly as possible and replenish the glycogen. So when I want that next quality session, you know, that would be, an expectation around okay the glycogen's back up and i haven't burnt them out with those sessions in between a little bit of um some solid things in between so we've you know even some kick sets we can the heart rates get very high and they're using glycogen so it's about those glycogen stores and having the right amount of rest back then i used to uh we used to sort of go hard monday monday morning was a bit lighter monday night was certainly the um depending on the swimmers but you know, they generally go a little bit towards VO2 max or race pace for the hackers. Mm -hmm. you know, it would be 800, 1500 meter pace work. Um, then Tuesday was pretty uh, more aerobic. And then Wednesday was more, once again, the sort of quality. Uh, actually, back then, sorry, I apologize. Tuesday night, we used to go the speed. It might be 200 meter pace, broken, broken 50s uh, type of work. And then Wednesday was a recovery. And mm. on the Wednesday, we'd always train during the day. We'd have a 10 o'clock session, which gave you the opportunity to have a morning off and an afternoon off, which, yeah. you know, for a lot of your swimmers, you'd always train every night. So I thought that was a, a, a good idea. And then, um, and so then you'd ha have that full recovery. It would be a lighter session on the Wednesday. You've got to remember back then, Thursday is generally, uh, you'd start to build it back up on the Thursday morning and then go quality Thursday night of some sort of, uh, sort of threshold to VO2 max type of work race pace sort of work once again with a hackett and then Friday was a bit lighter with some some power sort of uh training there and then Saturday morning we go hard so generally it was those four quality sessions within the week yeah, uh, yeah. mate yeah. I distinctly remember a set where we where you know it was the first first time that you know suits were coming in and and um the first time that we started to incorporate suits into practice like suits in practice weren't a thing you know 20 years ago type thing and it was it was definitely something with you that you were big on you were, you were, i remember specifically you would make us do um race race and um 
kind of uh, what do you call it when you when you go through the whole race simulation, in a day? Yeah, the yeah. simulation exactly, right? Yeah. So you would you would actually bring us in and you would put us in a ready room, you know, yeah. and you would you would make us sit there and then would go out and you'd call us to the blocks and we'd go through the whole simulation and we did this type of training where it was you know you were preparing for race day basically um i remember a set where we did 450s on 10 minutes suited up and i had to hold you know under under 23 long course you know and that was the first time i i did that and i remember thinking to myself like wow i i I felt really good from that i felt really confident that my speed was there my power was there you know i could back it up i could i could hit it when i wanted to so like you always get you always put me in situations where on race day, I felt like I could draw back on my training and say, I've done this before. I've been there. I've felt this. I've, I've, I, can, I can take on anyone in the world because I'm prepared for this. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what you always did a really good job of. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of reasons. With, I think so often we just train the technique and the physiology, but we, we need to create this environment of what, what it's going to be like in the arena. So, uh, you know, quite often, I remember even sometimes we'd have cameras in, in people's faces. Mm. Or a lot of swimmers, when they're walking out at the Australian Championships or the trials or an Olympic event, uh, you know, they're not quite used to that experience. So the more we can create this environment that's going to be like what it is in that situation. What am I going to do in the marshalling area? What's my, what's my process? What am I yeah. going to do? Do I need to have some headphones on? I mean, you look at Michael Phelps, he's got these big headphones or some swimmers. Mm. So I don't want any distractions. You know, what works for those individuals? How am I going to walk out? How do I walk out behind the blocks? What's my rituals behind the blocks? How do I get myself ready? What's my self-language? What's my mm-hmm. self-talk? And, mm-hmm. and then and then practicing it exactly or trying to simulate as, as much as we can, like the actual environment of what it's going to be on, like on a race day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd been through stuff like that. A lot of times it was like broken swims, you know, with previous coaches. Let's let's break this up. And you were like, no, we're going to simulate it exactly like we want to do it. It was the first time I'd gone through like a process of like, okay, I want you to get to the pool a couple hours early. I want you to go through your, you know, your, your warm-ups. I want you to go through your ready rooms. I want you to go into the locker room and put your suit on. I'm going to give you 20, 30 minutes to do all that. We're going to come out. We're going to, you know, you would whistle us onto the block. We'd have all the touchpads set up. We'd have cameras set up. You know, you you just set up the environment so well for us to feel like we're at the at the championship. So that by the time we got to the championship, it was it was very it was a very comfortable place to be, being in the ready room. And I talk about the ready room a lot now with a lot of my with the athletes, and and some of them have a, a very good understanding of of ready room control, and, and others are still young and haven't figured it out yet. But um, there's a you know you were the first coach that definitely put me in that situation where i realized that you know it's it's more than just the swim you know there's just so much more that goes into it um a lot of swims can be won and lost in the warm-up pool for instance you know and um you're always good with that and the, the other thing i've got to give you credit for which i took into my own coaching i i always felt like you were with me you know like when when it was time to um you know get on a bus or was, you know if you if we we're going to go and have a meal you know you always kind of with me you know it was always like this partnership of like we're in this together i always felt like i had someone who had my back I always felt like someone who believed in me i always felt like there was somebody there who had a plan for me and had thought about all the different things and then knew that i could go and execute you know and that was important for me to go into my coaching as well i took a lot of that from you where it was this belief in in the athlete and just having that having that somebody with them to say hey you're not alone here you know we're in this together kind of thing you know was, yeah. was that that's something that you um you know you, you were different at that stage like there wasn't many coaches doing it that way you know well for one it was about building confidence i mean for a swimmer to swim at its best, at, at their best they've, they've got to have confidence about how they're going to race and if if a swimmer's going into a race and thinking i'm not sure i'm going to go here it's about an inner self-belief and you're very good at that brett and uh, your own self-talk and actually i wouldn't mind sharing there was a there was a uh, there was a time where we're at the world championships 2003 and we're behind the blocks and you're behind the blocks but before you come and saw me you you you, you want you're one of these swimmers that actually had to get really engaged and get get pumped up for a lot of swimmers today it's all about being relaxed but you're one of these guys who are heading towards war. And so I remember, you know, you come and chatted to me before your race and uh, you're looking at me in the eyes and you're saying, Pokey, I'm going to win this. 
I'm the best in the world. And, you, and you're going, at my, you're in my chest, you're in my face. And he goes, <laughs> I'm the fastest in the world. Nobody can beat me today. And this language around that I am the greatest. And I can't remember what your ranking is. It was probably about 20 or something. I really can't remember. <laughs> but here you are. And, and then you're behind the blokes, behind the blocks. And you're sort of going, going on. And you're jumping around. You're boxing and all sort of stuff. And, you know, you're looking over at me and going, number one. You know, but that, that, that was the great thing about you is your belief. And, uh, and I think if you didn't have that belief, you wouldn't have performed as well as you did. And then you get out. And I remember that race, you, you know, fastest qualifier, you beat Alex Popoff going into the final. And, uh, and so, you know, I never forget those moments. But that was special. You know, you had this incredible, and it was incredible. You had this incredible self-belief. And getting yourself into this state to bring out your best and i find this a lot with uh some of the great swimmers they've just got this they're able to lift and um it's like they're, they think they're invincible and i think that's a great characteristic and um i think that's something that was inbuilt for you you know you just uh, you were able to get yourself in that mode yeah well i look I, honestly i think looking back there was um that was necessary in order to get where I wanted to be. And I think at that stage, what I wanted to be is I wanted to be in the final. I wanted to be in the top eight guys. I wanted to be in the mix. I didn't want to go to swim meets and travel the world and be in camps for two weeks away from my family and, and not feel like I'd accomplished something. And to me, being in the final was the minimum kind of standard of, of accomplishment, right? Like, what's the point of going to the world championships and saying you just competed or I went to the world championship and I made the semi-final, but I had to, I had to sit there the next night and watch the, watch the final. Like to me, that was a failure. So like, I always had this in my mind of like, you've got to talk yourself up enough to say that you're in the top eight and it doesn't matter who turns up, you know, when you, when you walk into the ready room of an Olympic uh, of an Olympics or a world championships, you look around this, there's 40 guys that are really good. You know, if you don't have any any sort of belief at all, you're going to get demolished. You know, there's there's definitely there's definitely 15, 16 guys that'll just eat you up in a second. So you got to have some sort of belief. And so for me, it was always like I've got to I've got to I've got to think more of myself just to be in that final. What I don't think I ever did a good enough job was uh, was was thinking beyond that of like I'm I'm on the podium here. And like I never really ever put myself mentally myself on the podium before I got to the podium kind of thing. It was always like, all right, I'm going to go to this world championship. I'm going to make the final and that's going to be, that's going to be successful for me. And I, and I did that a lot, you know, like I went to the worlds, I went to the Olympics and I did those things. And even though I said, I'm the, I'm the best, it was just part of like making sure that you got the job done that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but I, I never truly believed that I was better than Alex Popoff. And then, and you yeah. know, in reality, and, and, maybe probably I shouldn't have, you know, because <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, come on, it's Alex Popov, you know what I mean? Well, I, I remember the Olympics, you know, you're going into the final, you were ranked second going into the final, like you were in yeah. chance. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, maybe you had limited beliefs in, in, uh, in, the, in the final, whether I could get a medal or not. And so, um, uh, you know, I mean, you had an incredible mindset, but, and maybe going into a final was, can I get the medals? I mean, you know, we, we got medals at Commonwealth Games and other events and, uh, but you always just look. I look back at that video and watch you at the Olympics. I, I watched it recently, and uh, you were right in the mix. You know, and yeah. just maybe a look at it. Probably the start could have been a bit better. You know, yeah, yeah, little things. Start, yeah, all those little things all add up. But um, yeah, always a great race when the pressure was on, mate, and always lifted for the and, and gave it your best every single time. And that's what you brought to training. You brought to training a mindset. I'm here, and you always, you know, even though there's this wild side of Brett Hawk, is this Larry Kinnell crazy guy and he was always a lot of fun when he brought to training um you were always the first there you're always the first to stretch be ready but once we we're up on the blocks and uh, and i remember it got heated sometimes between you and Clemmy. you know when you're racing each other like you know it, it was like okay um I, and that was good we had that sort of environment where we had to challenge each other and i think we have to bring that to our, our coaching program where we're getting swimmers head to head because that's what it's going to be like in the arena yeah. in, in the pool itself yeah, no, look, it was definitely a training ground for me for later in life. You know, when I when I had guys like Cesar Cielo and Fred Busquet and, you know, um, I had, had some of the top sprinters in the world that it took me back to when I was with with Clemmy and Matt Welsh and these guys, you know, in training for sure. I mean, that 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 stuff set me up well to in in the coaching sense. But um 
we also had some fun. I there's a story that you like to tell where, you know, I, I always tried to have fun with you. You know, I always tried to I always tried to keep it light. I always tried to keep you on your toes. I always tried to keep you um, smiling and and um, and just I just like to mix it up with you. You're always one of those guys that I could do that. But there's a story where I walked into practice one day. There was kind of like you'd like oh, to yeah, tell yeah. that one's pretty. I got to tell people this one because you know, Brett. Uh, you know, there was times when uh, so many. Look, he comes into training. He's got this distressed look on his face. And as I do as a coach, I go and talk to him. You know, are you okay or what? And he's got this sort of painful look on his face. And I said, well, mate, what, what, what happened? What's wrong with you? You know, are you okay? And uh, he just grabs his biceps and goes, man, I'm just tired. I've been, I've been carrying these around all day. You know, so, <laughs> you know, that was just, uh, that was you, Hawkey. You brought, um, and there was times when you, Clemmy and Massey and all those guys would get up in the box and, you know, they'd do their muscle poses. But once we're in the water, it's sort of like, let's get serious. Let's, let's get in the plane. But it was a, a great relationship. It's a, you know, it was a, you know, it was a team, you know, and, and that's, um, I felt you guys were my friends, you know, you, I loved being with you all and um, I love being a part of, you know, with you guys and being involved in giving whatever I could to, you know, help you guys be the best you could be. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff. There was also some scary stuff. I tell this story a lot and um, I haven't really run this by you, but I remember there was a time where we, we'd all made the Olympics in 2004. It was a very special group, you know, and you invited everybody over to your house oh, yeah. and, um, and we're all kind of sitting there. There was, there was all these Olympians, you know, future Olympic champions and things like that, you know, previous Olympic champions. So it was like myself, Matt Welsh, you know, Gian Rooney. It was Michael Klim. You know, I, I'm sure there were some other people there, but there was a bunch of like Olympians there. We're having this celebration at your house. And the next minute you just, you just take off. You, what happened? Tell us that story. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was just that one moment like we were around the pool, the outside, it was a beautiful day. And all of a sudden, um, just for one moment, I went and grabbed something to eat and my son had fallen in the pool and he was about three years old, fully clothed. And just in that instant, and it can happen so, so quickly. Mm. And I just, I just ran, jumped into the pool. And because my son had learned to swim, you know, he was able to sort of just dog paddle and keep his head above the water. But, you know, maybe maybe what would happen if that didn't have those those lessons, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I jumped the pool, pulled him out, and it just made light of it because I think sometimes we can, you know, oh, what happened, you know? And we just, oh, that was funny, you know, made a, 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 nothing much of it. But it was, yeah, just that one situation just could happen so quickly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, there was all these people around the pool, but just, wow. Yeah, we're having a celebration for all these Olympic swimmers and your son's in the pool drowning and we're all like eating, uh, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs. Dad. <laughs> it was so, so quick, you know. And but, yeah. uh, you does know, he know that? Does he Does he know you saved his life? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he listens to this. I probably don't want to bring it up with him because it's... Uh, Liam, he saved your life, mate. You could, you, you could have drowned and Dad saved you that day. So. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. It was crazy. It scared the crap out of me. I just, yeah. and then you realize like, I didn't even hear him go in the pool and then you, you didn't even hear him, you know, like, you know, grasp for his life. You didn't, it happened so quick. It's so scary, man. But yeah, um, yeah you acted quick on that day. Thank God. And uh, here we are. But um, you know, you've also had your struggles. You recently within the last five or six years have had some, some health issues too. T tell me a, a bit about that. Oh, well, that was, uh, Back in 2015, yeah, look, I went along to, I had some pains in my stomach and so forth, and went along to the doctors, uh, and they um, couldn't work it out at first, and then they they said, oh, after about a week, they said, you've got leukemia, which is a, a blood cancer, pretty serious blood cancer. Mm. So I uh, pretty much spent the next nine months having treatment, and um, uh, and probably for the next two years after that, I had treatment, but, uh, you know, to continue... With chemo and all the other things but it was certainly probably an awakening for me as a, as a coach um I, I took a back step from high performance then i sort of just wanted to focus on like when i did come back to coaching sort of more age group program because you know sometimes as coaches we think we're invincible and we can work day and night and we do work hard but i think it's you've got to have good life balance as a coach you know you, you work hard but you've got to have time out like i i really make my you know my sundays is the day i wear i don't work and and when I come home at night, you know, I don't work at night 
because you know I, I get up early in the morning, five, and I finish at six thirty now. And um, you know, I give my day to the to the swimming, and then that night I want to be with my family. So, you know, it's finding a good balance. And when I look back, then probably, uh, you know, I wasn't aware of my health and nutrition and diet. And so, one of the things that got me really healthy was uh, I went on the paleo diet, which was sort of restricting mm. the amount of sugars I was having because sugar does have a big impact on on cancer and the relationship there. And uh, I got healthy. I mean, one stage yeah, I was 70 kilos, yellow, couldn't walk from, you know, 10 metres. I was in a pretty bad state. And um, Did you think you were going to die at any stage or had, had you no, got... Had no, you... something, oh, look, I'm, you know, I've got a very strong faith and, and I'm sure I had a lot of people praying for me. But, uh, you know, when I first got diagnosed with, with uh, leukaemia, I remember, you know, I made a decision that day and I've challenged people every day and whatever they give me, uh, you know, I was going to take whatever treatment they gave me. And, you know, there were some pretty heavy days, a lot of heavy days there where, you know, you just, I remember one day it was like you hit by a truck and you just could not move, you couldn't move. But, you know, mm. and just having injections through your spine and feeling the, the chemo go through your spine, you have that every week, that was, that was pretty uh, horrific. But I look back uh, now and just think, you know, I've got, I've got to look after myself. I've been healthy for seven years and, and, and I think as coaches, you know, we've got to really take on board of looking after us. We advise all these other people about exercise yeah. and sleep yeah. and rest and all those sort of things. But as coaches, we need to really look after ourselves and make sure you work hard. That's fine. But, you know, make sure you're taking time out to chill. And so always when I when I go away on holidays, I completely get away from swimming, uh, holiday breaks. And, all, you know, some some coaches sort of boast, I haven't had a break for five or six, eight years. And I think, well, you should. You've got to have a break. Yeah, and I often speak to coaches about looking after themselves, and um, you know, if they're a bit overweight or whatever, uh, you know, try and support them in any way I can. So, um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a time I went through, but yeah, I've been really healthy since, and you know, continue to look after myself. Yeah, Generally, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Biney of Biney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. I'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Like I know the commitment to Australian swimming is, is big, you know, like we're, we're in Australia or you're in Australia, you're isolated, right? So it's like anytime you got to go to a big meet, you got to travel and you got to spend, you know, weeks on end on the road and stuff like that. What's been your approach to that? I know that there was a time in your life where you're probably doing that year after year after year. Have you kind of backed away from that a little bit now? Yeah, sure. I mean, you'd be away for probably three to four months a year and, mm. uh, you know, it was always hard on the family and, um, you know, but I always made it, when I came back, I always take my family away. And, and so we had that quality time. And, um, you know, it's about finding a good balance. It, it, it is very demanding as a swimming coach. Um, you know, in Australia, you have to look for international competitions because, the, you know, if they swim here at the trials, well, some of them can go pretty easy in the heats and then they go to the Olympics and you can't afford to go easy in the heats. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the last couple of years, I've taken sort of a back step from um, traveling at all with the, with the Australian team and, yeah. and just really just enjoying coaching and, you know, working with a 
you know, developing a club, Melbourne Swimming Club. So that's, yeah. that's where my focus has been of late. So I'm not, no, I haven't been traveling uh, much for quite a while now, which is much better nice. than that, yeah. Nice. Well, listen, you've coached some of the best athletes in the world in, in, in the history of the sport. So give us some crazy sets, mate. People love the sets. T tell us a couple of uh, standout sets that you can remember. Maybe uh, maybe Matt Welsh or you know John Rooney or Grant Hackett or you know, Michael Klim, whoever. Is there anything that stands yeah. out in your mind as crazy sets? Well, I think the thing I loved about Grant Hackett is how he would challenge himself. And you had to find things that would challenge him beyond his thinking and um you know we i'd always like even today i i'm always about race pace it whether it be for the distance events and mm -hmm. grant would do some special things in training like uh that i've never never seen from any athlete and someone that would challenge himself um you know some of the sets we'd probably let me think gee uh we would do things like um 12 100s and every every third one would be at 400 meter pace then we go eight 100s every second one at 400 meter pace that probably be on like a 150 cycle and then we go four 100s at um yeah on pace so it's something like that but you know grant would do some phenomenal stuff uh we did some leading into the olympics in 2008 uh some of the race pace work he was doing um, three weeks out from the olympics he broke the world short course record in the 800 and he was doing some phenomenal sets then um that we would do broken 1500s uh i remember we did three lots of five 100s on 105 in the last round he went on a minute and you know he averaged everything everything was sort of 57 below and i can't remember what he finished with but you know uh, that was a suited up swim um let me think of some other ones uh gee you know i remember a time i remember matt welsh doing a 400 kick for time once and he was I, I swear in my memory, he, he, he kicked on his back and he, you know, you do his dolphin kicks, but then he'd get yeah. into his flutter kicks. I remember him being under 420 long course. Is that, is that a bad memory or was, was it, was it I right can't there? remember that. No, I can't remember that, but he was a phenomenal kicker and, uh, and that was probably his, his strength as a backstroker and he broke the world record in butterfly as well, but he, um, he, he was incredible kicker. Yeah. And free you know, kicker. He, yeah, he couldn't do any pull. We didn't actually didn't do any pull at all because he would just his legs would just drop. He would sink. Yeah, yeah, he had and no he muscle to speak of. Yeah, yeah, we no, did I'm a lot of kicks. Sorry, I said he had no muscle to speak of. Not like that, you know. Look at that. Oh, here we go. Where's that? Hang that's on. It, oh, yeah, it's good. still there. Look, that's not bad for forty-seven, Popey. Hey, eh? that stuff that's doesn't go good. away. That's that's in the dark too. Look, put some light on that. Damn. Damn. The, oh, okay, that's, that's it. very good. Very good on you, mate. Um, <laughs> Uh, you haven't changed one bit. That, you know, I often listen, listen to your podcast and I just, some of your statements and your one-liners and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, oh, most stuff. of the time. Uh, most of the time um, I'm drunk. So we're talking about Matt. Matt, uh, yeah, he was just a good, uh, incredible kicker. Uh, yeah. Look, I know he'd go 25 seconds for um, underwater fly kick, but that was just, you know, he felt comfortable under the water. He was such a, at one with the water. I remember he used to just swim and just twirl around and he was always wanting to be underwater. And mm. uh, yeah, he was, uh, you know, um, I don't know if he went that quick and kicked. That's really something out there. He was fine. I, I remember he, it just being like, what the hell just happened there? Yeah. yeah. What about some coach, uh, some memorable coaching moments? Like we all have those moments that stand out in our mind and, you know, it could it could just be something intimate between you and one of the athletes. But uh, is there anything that stands out where you're like, "Wow, that was a real moment for me"? Uh, I, I think when swimmers do something that you don't think is going to happen. Um, like I remember, well, she went in the fifty was the fifty fly at the World Championships from lane eight, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's it. Yeah, look, he was a backstroker then, and we, we yeah. went in the fifty fly for an event that wasn't something we'd trained for, but we thought, well, it'd be good to do a race before yeah. he gets in with the backstroke. And he, he qualified eighth in the, in the, in the, in the heats. And then in the final, uh, he was in lane eight and we changed two things. Uh, we said, look, let's make the most of your start because he's underwater. It was incredible. And let's not take a breath at all. And it was something mm. we hadn't trained a lot of, but mm. uh, because what I noticed is as soon as he took a breath, he would lose that rhythm and he would lose his timing. And so, mm. um, yeah, that was a pretty memorable moment because I remember I was just under some stairs, I was just on my own, and 
he touched the wall and broke the world record and won the gold medal, of course. And um, and I was just going off, you know, as a, as a coach <laughs> because you, you had your really boxel moment, did you? You're you're pumping the I rail, just, like yeah, not, not not like boxel. I mean, I love boxel, but he just uh, no, I probably was just as bad because you know when you see someone do something that's certainly exceptional above when it's the unexpected, you know. Yeah, so that yeah. was. Uh, but that showed the talent of, of someone like a Matt Welsh who could get up and break a world record for an event that he really hadn't prepared for. Yeah. He was a butterfly when he was young, and uh, we saw some opportunities in backstroke. So we started to move to backstroke and got away from butterfly because we had so many good butterflies in Australia. And, and uh, for 10 years, he sort of, you know, was up there in the world dominating backstroke, and, um, but he was still very good at butterfly. Yeah. Tell me this: Do you have do you have records of your of your workouts, like years of them? How how do you store your 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 records? What what do you do? How do you record your your workouts? Well, I've got. I used to use the diary system, but now I just do everything on computer. So uh -huh. I've got all my programs all over the years. Um, yeah, you know, from from way back from when. Yeah, I've still got quite a few books of. Uh, stored somewhere around i did chuck out a lot of information mate you should start selling that stuff i'm telling you put that stuff out online and start selling it uh you'd make a fortune on those sorts of things mate you know yeah. you, you got some killer workouts but um how did you how did you write a workout was there a formula for you <laughs> excuse me um well i always i generally warm up with uh, with fins because i find some people warm up and their heart rate's very high already. So I want them to relax and uh, feel the stroke. So a lot of times today I generally warm up with fins. Mm -hmm. um, I like to mix up the warm up in freestyle and backstroke or medley because that's they're working different muscle groups and, and stretching different ways. Um, and it depends on the swimmer. And then I'd, I'd, I'd like to go something that makes them feel good. So I'd go to drills. What you know? What do we want to focus yeah. on? You know, whether yeah. it be sculling, whether it be fist, whether it be certain drills that we'd be using. Mm -hmm. And then I go into some skill. I think some we need to be training skills every day. And when we do the skill training, it really has to be at race pace or faster. It has to mm. be fast. And so whether it be you know practicing dives, diving glides, the way we come off the blocks, uh, whether it be turns, you know approach to the turns, the way we're submerging the turns, the way we're breaking out, uh, whether it be even the way we finish, it's probably a neglected way that we only work on these sort of little skills. But I would do that every day. And then mm -hmm. the main set when you know you know had such a uh, a broad spectrum of different swimmers in, in that group i would you know i would then think of the main set for you being 50 main set for michael and and for the guys that are sort of sprinting 100 meter focus and then you know that's you know and then some for the 200 and then uh when you had someone like hackett and i had hackett and i had Matt target you know you know a 50 100 swimmer and a 1500 meter swimmer just I'd go into a mindset was totally different for those individuals. And then the aerobic capacity after that, how much aerobic work I would do after that, whether I do kick and pull. Uh, someone like a sprinter would generally, you know, they just call down and get out where with Grant I would, you know, continue to, to keep up um, the aerobic condition a little bit as well, especially in the legs yeah. and wings and pull. Yeah. So that's generally how I'd sort of plan out a, a, a session. Um, you know, you certainly have certain sets that you do at certain times and and how I cycle things throughout the year, you know, that, that sort of changes. Um, yeah, I remember that skill work you put in every day. You said, Brett, we're working on skills every day. We're going to work drills. We're going to work skills every day, every workout. That was a, always an important factor for you. There was no wasted time. Um, everything had a purpose and there was, you know, you were setting yourself up for something and it was always about establishing, you know, your technique and your feel so that then you could then translate that into your mindset. So that was something that always stood out for me um you know not only have you been an incredible mentor for swimmers but you've been one for coaches i remember um joel fink was an assistant of yours when i was swimming there then joel goes on to be one of the top coaches in england coaches james guy and does a bunch of other things so that must be pretty proud for you as well to you know mentor coaches into that that level of coaching for joel you know yeah absolutely i look uh, I still see Joel. Uh, he's now living in Melbourne and coaching here in Melbourne and uh, a, a great guy, a great friend. I was just chatting with him yesterday and, and loved catching up with him. Mm. You know, we had some great times together at Melbourne Big Centre. You know, he worked with me for nine years and, uh, I, you know, we would just have fun. Um, you know, we look back and we, at Melbourne Big Centre, we had 600 swimmers. Uh, it was a big club. But, you know, we 
remember one Olympic trials, we took 55 swimmers. Like, you know, we, we just worked, we worked, we worked pretty hard, but, um, yeah. but I love working with Joel. He was just, uh, you know, brought a certain energy and, and, and you swimmers loved him too, because he, you know, he just has this great spirit about him. So yeah, it was certainly a lot of, a lot of fun looking back. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a he's a good man doing some good things in the swimming world. But yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. It's always nice when you mentor someone; they go on to be very successful, you know. So that's a good thing. What about this state of Australian swimming? Where's it at right now? You know, we're back back when I was on the team and you were around. We were we were gunning for America. We we had a good shot back then. You know, we had we had some big guns. You know, and it wasn't just it wasn't just one or two bullets. You know, we had a we had a loaded gun with Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett and you know, all, all the women we had, Susie O'Neill and, you know, all that, Patria Thomas. So it was, it was a real team and, and we had a real shot at beating America and it was something that was a goal of ours. Is that, has that changed or is that, has it evolved? Is it, has it gone in well, and out? Where is it now? I mean, it was a golden era around that 2000 Olympics. In 2001, we actually won the world championships. It was, mm. it was the first time that Australia had beaten the Americans in, in, the, in the gold medal tally. And, yeah. uh, and for, that was a goal for Don Talbot and, you know, the elation and just the tears he, he had in his eyes when it was the first time for 50 years his goal was to beat the American team. And, um, and so he retired after that. And, uh, you know, so that was always, uh, it was a special period of, of Australian swimming. We had so many great athletes, you know, Susie O'Neill and, and, and uh, as you said, Ian Thorpe and, and so many great swimmers looking back then. Uh, I think Australian swimming is in a very good position. I think our, uh, right now, we, you know, it's certainly a, another beautiful crop of young swimmers coming through uh, and some of the great swimmers we have there, especially the females that like they're just swimming unbelievable what they're doing right now. And um, so it, it's, it's very positive for Australian swimming at the moment. Things are certainly moving. You know, we had a great Olympics. I think it's, it was probably one of our best Olympics ever uh, mm. in the medal tally. And so things are very positive. Things are certainly... Uh, and, and, and there's some young blood coming through that's knocking on the door as well. So um, this will keep some of those senior swimmers, you know, keeping them in line and uh, making sure that they're all doing the right things. Yeah. You had an experience recently too with um, someone fairly fairly local, but uh, Sun, Sun Woo, right? Uh, did, you, did you have some work done with him? Oh, yeah. Um, it was a Korean. Uh, we had a group of Korean swimmers come and train with us early this year. There was, mm. there was four of them. Great, great group of guys and I trained them separately from my team and oh. uh Sun Woo is an 18 year old swimmer that um probably the one that stood out very talented swimmer and he got a silver medal at the world championships in the, in the China freestyle this year and uh you know a, a beautiful swimmer one of the best swimmers I've probably ever coached uh in the technique the feel for the water very flowing great kick uh a beautiful swimmer and certainly um you know he's pretty young so I think that you know Things are looking pretty bright for him. There was a uh, the other the other three swimmers were all part of a four by two hundred relay, mm. uh, and they got to swim at the world championships and um, they made the final, so they were, they were pleased with that. And and um, and there was another boy, uh, Wu Min, um, who ended up oh. making the uh, making the four hundred final. So yeah, no, they that was a, it was good to do the high performance coaching of that level again and um, and uh, a good group of guys. So yeah, uh, and. You know, to go 144 low, and uh, I mean, you know, David Popovich is certainly taken it to another level, and, and it's certainly uh, it's going to be great to watch him at the World World Short Course Championships coming up. And so, um, yeah. yeah, what's your thoughts on that kid, mate? Like, uh, I've had a couple of interviews with him. He's just so impressive. I'm, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of it, and you've watched him swim. You know, what's your thoughts on this 17 year old doing the things that he's doing? Phenomenal, it really is, and, and I think we're probably not commending his coach Adrian as much because you know, I yeah. think for Adrian to get him to this level at this age, he must have been so technically minded all the way through this process mm -hmm. because he's just he's just doing so many things right. You know, his efficiency, yeah. his his leg speed, his his turns, you know, I, I, you know, there is talk that he could improve his starts and, and that will come with time. But um, yeah, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I, I think uh, and, and the way he speaks and he's his mindset is really powerful, and um, but mm. I think all credit to his coach, uh, Adrian's done an amazing job with his with his technique. And yeah, yeah, looking forward to seeing yeah. the race. 
Yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, yeah, they're coming down to Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne's a special city, mate. For those people that don't know Melbourne, uh, give us a little insight into the city. Well, Melbourne has a population of, I think, about 5 million. It's quite a large city, and it's it's known probably for a, the, the sporting arenas. There's some uh, right in the central part of uh, Melbourne is all the... Um, they had the Australian Open there. It, it, they love their sport. You know, it's not far from the beach, um, uh, Melbourne itself. And, you know, it's one of those places that we can have all sorts of weather throughout the whole year. We've had a lot of rain this uh, rain this year. I've got a river to go past me here, and it's really overflowing here. Um, but, um, yeah, no, it's it's a great city. It's very – it's probably got a European feel. So for those members that might be watching this, um, yeah, it's got a sort of European sort of feel. It's a little bit different than Sydney. Sydney's got that beautiful harbour, which is one of the best in the world, and and um, so oh, it's a special place. It's been part yeah. of my life, all my yeah, life. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful it's place. Yeah. yeah, mate, you've had one of those careers where you've done it all. This is kind of I'm just wrapping up here, but like you know, in terms of just longevity and maybe, um, you know, how, how have you managed to stay motivated through this time? Like you've done, you've coached Olympic gold medalists, world championships, and you know, you know, just everything. You've done it all. Um, so how how have you managed to stay actively motivated to come back to the deck and have that type of energy that you need year after year? Well, that's a good question. You know, sustainability as a, as a swimming coach, you know, how do you stay in the sport? And, I, and there has been periods, and I probably look back when I was, uh, wasn't well, um, when I went through that leukemia, probably wasn't in a good mental state, you know, and I think sometimes we need breaks from swimming, you know, so... Uh, we were sort of forced into a break. Melbourne had pretty strong restrictions over COVID, and, yeah. and uh, so we were forced to have, you know, couldn't even go out outside. So you know, one period there, um, you know, within a five-kilometer range, so there was there was no swimming. But you know, uh, I, I think it's important that um, I don't know. I'm probably re-motivated again. I just I love what I do, and I think you have to go to the pool. And I, I am so fortunate to work with young people. I feel it's a blessing to work with so many young people and see young people challenge themselves every day. Like, you know, I can look across the pool and I love the club system. I love seeing young kids develop and come all the way through. And, and, uh, you know, I've seen so many swimmers come through that process. And, mm. you know, I, I just, uh, I think you've got to, you have to love it. You have to love what you do. And, um, and I think that's, that's where I am in, in this stage of my life. I'm, I'm really just enjoying coaching and feel very fortunate that I can work with young people and just get inspired by young people, how they challenge themselves. Mm. Uh, it's, it's so, you know, and the thing about swimming, it, it, young people end up, end up great people. It's so nice when you see swimmers come back into your life and you, you see them somewhere and they, they share their swimming experience. It might be something that actually happened for them or they just share what it's, you know, but what they often share is what they learn from swimming. And I yeah. think, you know, sometimes we look at the medals and we look at all the success, but you actually have to stop and think about, you know, what's the great life skills that swimming is teaching them because they, they generally end up great people uh, because of how they've learned to discipline their life and, and challenge yeah. themselves through, you know, the hard work that they've got to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Is, is that, has that changed? Uh, like people say that, you know, our kids have changed, they're in their phones all the time now and they're this and that. Like, is it harder for you to get the best out of swimmers now, like to challenge them to, to go beyond what they think they're capable of? Has that changed at all? Well, I think young people are probably a little bit more complacent and certainly the phone has become a big part of their life. And, you know, and I, I think it's important that we educate these young people about, you know, that process in, in communication. So I have certain restrictions around the phone. You know, I won't have phones at training. I won't have phones at meals when we're out as a, as a, at a team dinner. And, and just educating them about, you know, communicating and yeah. not just always being this. You know, it's, mm. it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, but, you know, it's a big part of our, our culture. Oh, yeah, look, you know, I still see young people pushing themselves as good as any other period of my life in coaching. So... Um, you know, it's, yeah, certainly some individuals don't like it hard or, you know, to, you know, today it's about comfort and, uh, mm, you know, mm. we see things about pleasure or, or, or pain, you know, and so some, you know, young people, some of them just don't like the experience of pain, but pain is something that's associated with swimming for sure with the training. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I still see young people challenging themselves. Um, you know, I think for some, you know, some kids, 
certainly want the easy option there. That's a factor. Yeah. Man, I'm sitting here listening to you. I think one of your greatest achievements in life is, um, you know, you got through leukemia and you still have a beautiful head of hair. I think that's outstanding. Your your hair is gorgeous. How'd you pull that off, mate? Oh, thanks, Brett. I wasn't a swimmer, you know. (laughs) Things, you know, I think uh, I see a lot of coaches around the world. Maybe the chlorine or something had an impact on me. So uh, yeah, you always had beautiful hair. I was always envious of your hair. Still am. Oh, geez, what happened to mine? Um, You and Michael can get together. That's right. Actually, Clemmy's out here. Clemmy's out here for the um, for the induction ceremony. The you know, he's getting inducted into the World Swimming Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going through a, pretty, uh, a fairly tough time at the moment, but um, he yeah. seems to be handling it well and being strong as best he can. And he's got his family and friends around him that's supporting him. So, yeah. 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 Well, you've been help. you've been through similar struggles, so I'm sure you guys can relate. So hopefully you guys are connected there as well. So, um, well, listen, mate, this has been fun to catch up. I appreciate it again. Thank you for everything you did for me and my life. Like I wouldn't be here today without you. There's no doubt about that. You know, um, I wouldn't be the, the person I am, the man I am, or, or had the successes that I had without you coming into my life and having that influence and guiding me and believing in me. You know, I think, uh, I think that's the, uh, the ultimate thing is like, I want young people to know that, that Ian Pope believed in me and, um, and made me believe in myself, you know, and so that's important. So I'm, I'm glad you're still doing that to the next generation of kids, mate. And uh, I'm really thrilled to hear that you're you're coaching with your son. That's uh, that's that's crazy because I just remember him as a kid. So like, I remember him drowning in the pool one day. So it's <laughs> nice to see you uh, out there doing that with him. That's awesome. So um, I appreciate this, man. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk to me. Uh, thanks, Brett. And thanks for pushing me to do it. Um, so <laughs> no, it's yeah. good to have a chat and good to share some of the... Uh, the times we had um, together as a coach and as a swimmer, you know, they were great times and, and good fun and uh, always love catching up with you. Yeah, mate. No, you're one of the legends and we needed to do this. So thank you. Um, all right. Well, good luck with everyone. We'll stay in touch, mate, and um, we'll catch up soon, okay? Okay. Thanks, Brett. See you, mate. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. It's called Swim Nerd Live and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.